Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back! Welcome everybody! Welcome to the Inner Loop. Welcome everybody! Welcome to the Inner Loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're gonna get started. We should get started. We're yeah. rolling. I'm right there. We're, we're, we're gonna get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio, broadcasting live on Full Service Radio from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm Rachel Kuntz. Courtney Sexton is off today, but filling in for her is our friend and Inner Loop board member, Dan Knowlton. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here. So glad to have you on the show, here to keep me company. For all our listeners out there, if you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all of the loyal listeners out there, like myself, don't forget to leave the Inner Loop Radio a review telling the world how awesome this show is. Like you did, right? Yeah. You've left, I, you left us a review. Like five. Yeah. <laughs> five of them. It's like that. <laughs> for any new listeners out there here in the Inner Loop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, what makes a great ghost story, or how to construct the perfect sonnet. Or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. Oh. <laughs> uh, we play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly readings, and we invite a few of those writers to join our discussion. On today's show, we want to talk about... Bum, bum, bum. Suspense! <laughs> Arguably, this is the most essential tool for any writer in any genre, I would argue. Ever. Whether it be... <laughs> ever. Whether it's a bold it be... claim. You like that? I'm out here making bold claims. <laughs> Whether it be a plot twist or the space that hangs between two lines in a poem, we use suspense to keep the reader reading and to create space for reflection. Dan, how do you use suspense in your writing? Um, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I like to write uh, stories that have some kind of a fantastical element Mm -hmm. so um i like trying to create suspense where you're the readers in uh almost completely realistic place but Mm -hmm. there's a sense that something off could happen right so the suspense is what's going on in this world yeah yeah Um, (laughs) i felt that reading your writing yeah Yeah. well that's good (laughs) what's happening (laughs) what is what am i reading No, but I think uh, definitely that's that's one of the awesome things about fantasy is yeah. anything can happen, and you're building a whole, not just world, but history and people yeah. and cu- customs, and uh, part of the suspense of reading is, you know, what does this world look like? Yeah, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? <laughs> um, what about you? What do you, oh. how do you work suspense in? <laughs> Me. Uh, (laughs) Wrong question, I mean. (laughs) No, um, so I don't write fantasy or thrillers, but I write... 
Um, the super suspenseful is. memoir. Ooh. <laughs> so I actually think suspense is super important in in literary fiction and you know all sorts of genres too. Um, so you agree with me? Yeah, I do. Me, I was agree. making fun of your bold claim, but but I agree. Um, no, I mean I think I use suspense definitely. Um, I think. We were talking on the Interloop Radio with um, another thriller writer, and we were talking about creating space for Mm -hmm. reflection. Like, that's kind of what sets literary thrillers apart from, you know, a movie or, you know, something that's just there for the scare, basically. Yeah, Yeah, Um, I think there's there's lots of different kinds, right? You can have, I think of it as suspense and tension being pretty similar, and you can have... mm -hmm. um, purely plot-based suspense, what's going to happen next. You can have kind of a mood of suspense. Right. Um, I I really like when um, in literary fiction you have tension between, let's say, like what the narrator knows and what Mm -hmm. the readers know. Yeah. Um, And I think that can be, in some cases, just as suspenseful. Yeah. And, yeah, just waiting feeling like I need to know what happens next. The other thing is like planting something in the story in the beginning mm-hmm. that you're like, you really want to know about as the reader. Right. But you, the, the writer is like, I'm not going to tell you anything else about that thing. Yeah. Until like way later. And you're <laughs> right. like, what the hell? I'm just reading and reading to try to find out what's going to happen with that original thing. Yeah. But that's a clever trick we do. Yeah. It's a clever trick. Yeah. I think, well, I was thinking about like famous first lines when you sent me this, uh, topic for for today's uh-huh. chat um, and like the like hundred years of solitude yes um, in front of the firing squad yes right in the first sentence so good that's yeah. another great example of like a fantastical world yeah right you're I felt on the edge of my seat at every moment because right. anything yeah again anything could happen and yeah <sighs> what other favorites do you have suspenseful Oh, Are you a Stephen King fan? Um, I, oh boy, I've oh never boy. read, <laughs> <laughs> I've never read a Stephen King book. Oh, it's confessional time. <laughs> but it's my partner's favorite author and uh, screenwriter. Is he going to be mad at us? I went to his house movies. recently. Who's Stephen King's or yeah. my partner's? <laughs> Not <laughs> your partner's house. You and my partner have been hanging out behind my back? I'm just creating some suspense. <laughs> what are they doing? You don't know. <laughs> wow, <it's> silly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no, we were. I was visiting my sister and we went. I didn't go. I wasn't like invited to go. So you're not in even a Stephen King Stephen, but fan, we, but you were like, let's go see his house and see how yeah, this guy lives. Sure. <laughs> well, enough. There's of not this. much to do in Bangor, Maine. <laughs> enough of this. Let's move on. Up next, we welcome back to the show our resident expert on suspense, and we even get to hear some of her brand new book. Stay Ooh. tuned. Well, 
Welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio. We've been discussing our favorite writing tool, suspense. Suspense. And we're so happy to welcome back to the show, Tara Laskowski. Tara joined us on the show about a year ago to talk about genre writing, and now she's back to talk more specifically about suspense. And who better to talk to us about suspense than the writer whose latest novel, One Night Gone, is described as an evocative and beautifully crafted tale of suspense by Publishers Weekly. Tara, welcome. Tell us all your secrets. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. Of course. It's so great to have you on the show. Our favorite yeah. suspense writer. But <laughs> Tara joined us back uh, a year ago to talk about her short stories and I one short story was about a baby monitor a ghost and a baby monitor and oh it's, I remember I've that. never forgotten yeah. it uh-huh. and, you know <laughs> I had a baby since then and it, it haunted me Tara <laughs> oh I'm sorry <laughs> it's okay so, you know, that's, thanks, that's thanks a successful that. <laughs> thriller <laughs> so tell us about your novel tell us about how it's been writing it um, so this is my debut novel, so I'm, this Ooh, like, I'm so new, I feel so new about, you know, <laughs> with this stuff, but, um, yeah, it's called One Night Gone, and it is, um, I suppose, a suspense, yes, it is also a cold case mystery, so, um, it's a, there's, one of my main characters, Allison, is in her early 40s, and she recently has gotten divorced, and lost her job, and, you know, her life is in chaos, and, she gets offered this opportunity to house sit um, for this wealthy couple at their gorgeous oceanfront beach house Ooh. during the off season for a few months. So of course she takes them up on this. Mm-hmm. Um, who wouldn't, right? And um, while she's in the town, she starts hearing the story about this teenage girl who went missing from the like 30 years before. Um, and because her life's kind of in chaos and she feels kind of burned by everyone in her life, um, Mm-hmm. She, you know, naturally is kind of drawn to this story and what mm. what happened with this girl, and also is pretty pissed off that everyone in the town seems to not care about mm. what happened to her. So oh, she starts yeah. investigating it, um, and of course, it wouldn't be a book if trouble didn't <laughs> It's got to be trouble. Somewhere. Trouble arises. So, um, <laughs> as you say, this is your first novel. What was it like taking? you know, your master of suspense skills from the short story to the, to the longer novel to kind of sustain it throughout an entire um, longer piece? Yeah, it, um, you know, I'm, I, I mostly have written short fiction, and in fact, flash fiction mm. for a, a very long time. So I'm used to being able to see a story, you know, on one or two pages mm-hmm. yeah. um, or, you know, a more traditional length story. But writing something this long was not necessarily something that came naturally to me so um i have no idea how i actually (laughs) i can can commiserate with that (laughs) Um, but i kind of got through it thinking of it more as like okay you can just do this one scene just write this one scene and you know that that sort of bird by bird mentality of this what eventually hopefully add up into something um, so that was one thing I did, but also I, the, the book has two points of view mm-hmm. and they're alternating timelines. And so that also helped a little bit, Ooh. I think, to break it down, mm-hmm. um, for me and yeah, make that. it seem a little more manageable. Yeah. That's yeah. also a great way to build that tension and suspense mm-hmm. by, um, you know, telling one story and then stopping and being like, just kidding, I'm going over here now. Right. <laughs> right. And right. one of the cool things that my 
editor did when we were do, going through like revisions and things um, was she pulled out the two timelines and we looked at the way that they sort of spoke to one another, you know, mm-hmm. and she was very careful to like say, okay, you have to make sure you drop something here that, you know, feeds into yeah. this or mm-hmm. a teaser here. You know, So, yeah. So I think that helps. That's great. Um, I, when That's you guys great. were talking earlier about different kinds of suspense, like yeah. I feel like probably my main focus or like the thing I like most about suspense is that like atmosphere and mood kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that's sort of I think where I I lie on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, making a nice spooky mood. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so fun. <laughs> Season appropriate, even. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So. <laughs> and my birthday's on Halloween. So. Is it? Oh, that's wow. perfect. Wow, I love that. Happy so birthday. Like, Happy <laughs> early birthday. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. No wonder you're a thriller writer. <laughs> Born to be. <laughs> Drawn to the spooky. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of which, does anything, did anything in particular draw, draw you to this genre as a writer? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I have more of, you know, I got my MFA at George Mason university and i had i guess i've had more of a literary background Mm -hmm. um yeah and so i was always writing stories that kind of spoke somewhat to i I don't know i'm always interested in like the way people communicate with each other or don't communicate with each other and Mm -hmm. how you like think you know somebody really well but you actually don't really know them at all and i realized somewhere that uh two things one i really love reading mysteries i've always loved reading mysteries and uh-huh. horror and crime like that's like what i love to read and it's so and in also, these days <laughs> right. the true crime that helps, and also, that helps. And also you can you can totally take all of that like what is a better setup for a thriller than thinking you knew somebody really well and finding mm, out that yeah. you did not know them right. at all so right. i realized so that good. i could, give me tingles yeah. some of this extraordinary like here's this extraordinary situation or put someone in danger or have something crazy happen to somebody and still explore all of those themes. And I was yeah. like, oh, absolutely, let's do that. So, so do yeah. you have any, like, favorite, you know, um, like, turns or, like, useful little tools that you use as a suspense writer? Like, say there's an aspiring thriller <laughs> writer listening to the podcast. Are there any, of like, tricks or, like, favorite little turns that you use? In your craft? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I still feel like I'm new to this. No uh, way, in Tara. Some ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. You're being so, so humble. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I know, it's so horrible, right? Not a good answer. Totally bad answer. No, it's um, okay. We're all like, but, we pretend to teach writing, but we're just like, here, write something. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> It'll work um, out in I the think, end. You know, one of the things I think is difficult about this area, especially uh, more in terms of psychological suspense or domestic mm-hmm. suspense, mm-hmm. Um, is that the readers expect not only a twist, but they expect, like, a twist on the twist. 
and mm-hmm. even in some cases a twist on the twist <laughs> on the twist yeah. and so that expectation keeps getting higher and higher and it's like mm-hmm. a little intimidating for me <laughs> as a writer like how am I going to make people surprised totally. at you know, it's what's like, happening here it's like been an arms race of, of suspense twists <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Do you, is that is that something that feels like it's um, uh, only only in pieces that are explicitly suspense or thrillers or or just kind of in general in your work I don't know I mean I, I guess for me I'm more focused on that genre right now and mm-hmm. you know what people are doing in that genre but I, I suppose that there's that kind of expectation might not be exactly the same expectation yeah. but there's an expectation in every genre of mm-hmm. you know what readers like if you look at romance uh-huh. um, I would think most readers would want a happy ever after but I know there are romance writers who aren't doing that anymore mm-hmm. and trying to sort mm-hmm. of then that expectation and how is that then you know how are their readers reacting yeah like liking that yeah reacting yeah. To that, so interesting hmm. well i would love to hear an example from your new book i'm so excited to hear this yeah okay well i was thinking about what to read and um you know i just i told you all before i'm a flash fiction writer and right. <laughs> so for me right like trying to do an excerpt of like a bigger piece is always intimidating. But I realized that the prologue of my book, which is only a couple pages, is actually this like tiny little, almost not really a flash flash fiction, but it is like a nice little intro, I think, to some of the mood and themes and things. So I'm going to read you guys the prologue, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah, we love that. Okay. So the prologue is Opal Beach is the beach in which all of this is set. And this is set in the summer of 1986. The girl tried not to look up into the hazy summer night, the seagulls circling overhead like giant paper airplanes. It made her dizzy. She focused on the horizon, the dark ocean churning, its vastness broken up by milky frock. Thomas, the guy from the party, was pressed up against her, his thighs tight against hers. She could feel the heat in her cheeks, but at least it was cooler here at the end of the pier, away from the lights and sounds, from the constant pop, 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 bling, bling of the arcade game, and the deafening roar of the zipper, a ride she'd thrown up on last year and then sworn her friends to secrecy. Thomas dipped her back over the railing, not too far, but enough that she felt the danger, felt that if he just shifted his large hand an inch or so off her back, she'd fall, tumble like a tragic mistake. He laughed, pulling her back, his dewy breath catching in her hair. Stop it, she said, batting at him, though she wasn't sure if she meant it. She liked him. She liked the way he made her feel, important, funny, sexy. At the party, he'd said he was from the cornfields of Indiana, a state she would never tell him that she wouldn't be able to point out on a map. He was tall like a corn stalk, she thought, and let that bubble up into a giggle on her lips as he swayed into her again and kissed it away. Their friends were on the other side of the pier, drinking beer they'd poured into empty soda cans, chattering away and tossing a frisbee. The guys flicked the disc so fast and low that she was afraid it was going to soar over the edge of the pier. 
It was as if they were all in a delicious dream that might never end, a pause on life, a stop freeze on a late summer moment when everything still felt good, right, forever. And this guy, this cornstalk Thomas, with white blonde hair curled by the salty air, his arms long and warm and his breath and her hair and his tongue filling her mouth and oh, she was drunk, that was for sure. That had been their mission, all of her friends. One week before college, get wasted, let your hair down. Wasn't that what everyone came here for? She closed her eyes. When she opened them, a fluttering on the nearby post caught her attention. It was a piece of paper, tattered, clinging by one small piece of remaining tape. The wind slammed it back flat against the post, and she saw a girl's face, black and white, the word missing scrawled across the top. Thomas, she said, low, trying to push him off her. Thomas, look. She couldn't quite make out the girl's name, printed in small type below her photo, but the girl's face, well, her eyes stared right at her, it seemed, smiling shyly. A yearbook photo, perhaps. Remember me, always, forever. The paper fluttered again, a pathetic flag, rippling, weak. Someone's missing, she said. She tore her gaze away as Thomas untangled himself from her neck. He was smiling at her, his teeth so white. She pointed to the poster and he reached out and studied it for her. Now she could read it. The girl had gone missing the summer before. How long had this paper been hanging here? She straightened her thin bra strap. She could be any of us. She could be me. No reward, though, he said, tapping the poster with a thick finger. Behind them, one of the guys hooted, and a peal of laughter echoed in the night. Thomas crinkled his nose. How do they expect anyone to care without a reward? The girl's eyes widened. Surely he was joking, this guy who just earlier at a crowded party had shamefacedly admitted he didn't know how to swim, who had seemed so crushed she was leaving in only a few days to go home. Oh, come on, he whispered, burying his face in her neck. No time for being sad. Not now. Maybe she was already found, she said, more to herself than him. Thomas muttered what sounded like a yes in her ear. His fingers snaked into her shorts. She wondered how far they would go tonight and where. Another gust of wind and the missing poster freed itself from the post whipped around the pier for an instant and butterflied into the darkness. The girl watched as it flitted to the ocean, wavered on the choppy surface. She closed her eyes, and when she opened them again, the paper had disappeared. That's all. Lovely. That's great. I love how all the word choice and the imagery and these tiny moments of danger just keep you on the edge of your seat because they echo what's coming. Yeah, and the idea that, you know, kind of a little bit earlier in that scene that um, it's kind of this frozen perfect moment um, just makes you feel like there's going to be plenty of other moments in the book that are not frozen in this perfect space. (laughs) Kind of sets the bar high to where... (laughs) For a big fall. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, there's really something dangerous to me about this whole, like, the height of summer in a beach town. And, totally. You know, all these people, like, 
you know, running around on vacation, teenagers. Getting and, drunk. Getting know. wasted for the first time. <laughs> Creepy. Yes. Thank you so yeah. much, Tara, for joining us on the show. Thank you, guys. It was back. great. Up next, Dan and I put everything we've learned about suspense into practice. We'll oh be right. <laughs> we'll be right back. Let's gather. <laughs> gather. Um, you can gather in. Gather around. Gather around for the second half. Started. We're gonna get started. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. I'm not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio, broadcasting live at the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. We've been talking about suspense as a writing tool, and now it's time for Dan and I to demonstrate. The pressure is on. <laughs> This is my favorite part of the show where our listeners get to hear some amazing local authors reading their work while Dan and I furiously write something and then we all meet back here to find out what we came up with. Oh boy. <laughs> so what are you going to make what, us what do? What are we going to do again? Um, well, it's going to be easy. We're just going to write the most suspenseful, suspenseful paragraph we've ever written all in four minutes. So that's easy. <laughs> Sure. Are you ready? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling suspenseful? No. Are you feeling like <laughs> <It's> feeling suspenseful? <laughs> Are you cooking up, cooking something up? And that uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> you got it. You got this. You got this. Um, <laughs> so in the meantime, you, our listeners, will have the pleasure of hearing a few Halloween poems about ghosts and death. Wah, wah. Enjoy. How to haunt. Start by waiting with the wheat penny under the rug, or try to catch a ride from the wildflower berm on warm summer nights. Outdoors is easy. Your best bet is joining the mother and child on a semi-regular basis at the Old Stone Bridge. Wait with them to step directly into headlights of slow-moving cars. Hold hands. It makes things easier, even when your fingers slip through. Drift the crosswalk current. Flicker the hotel vacancy sign in Morse code. You wouldn't want to be mistaken for the wind. You wouldn't want to mimic the air conditioner vents click on and off for all eternity. Some will ask, what happens if you're seen? What happens if you're not seen? What happens next? Questions sound the floorboards underfoot. What kind of world is it that doesn't allow for candles to be domiciles, for gardens to remember their tender, their flowers facing away from the sun, persistent iris in the face of so many daffodils, persistent green leaf when the rest have gone cold? Thank you. He says the physics baffle him, but that's precisely what makes it so hot. Death is the type of lover you fuck standing up. Its cloaked nothingness only hovers as if inflated, its breath ahead of cold wind in the grip of a cinched hood. He says, sex with death is like finding oneself stuck neck deep in a frozen lake. He blindly thrusts, attempts to penetrate the absence in the cowl, shroud enveloping his body. The seconds before death's brittle orgasm, it cries, we're dying, we're dying. He confirms, it's true. It's actually like dying, or heroin, 
but as far as he can tell, he's coming into a towel. He says, because of death's whole situation, they can't share tender moments, no kiss on the neck as he washes dishes, no love making atop an open map, gordillera spread, spread like sheets. Death just asks that he carry its bundled bones against his chest, palms up, gentle cup around the clack of its light weight. He says, embracing death is like hugging a burlap sack of limp ibis. Death is too old to walk for itself, but loves to go to the beach to take it all in. Most days at first light, he pulls death's skull out at the shore, kisses the polished marble, and points its sockets out toward the dark water, inviting his baptism in the sea foam. Thank you. Um, this is called Quiet, Please. When I was born, my parents gave me a book. So, you're going to die. <laughs> it had helpful illustrations, a clown's body covered in flies, a man stomped into paste and water, a skinny woman on her deathbed giving the grim reaper a thumbs up. The text clearly stated there was no hope. Ghost, a blue figment of neurons burning out. Angels, a button on a lunatic's uniform, scarier than words could describe. Syllables inadequate as a lover's coat laid atop an ocean, his beloved sinking down and passing away. My parents told me to return the book to the shelf, play a while in the sandy box, the marriage bed, the grandfather's clock. I sat all day and read it, dazed as seconds faded with every letter. I tried to finish the alphabet, but Z tapped me on the shoulder, snatched my library card, hushed me out the door saying, quiet please, people are trying to sleep. Thank you. That was Sarah Ann Wynn reading from her collection Alma Almanac from Barrow Street Press. Lucian Madison reading from his book Reaper's Milanga from Yes Yes Books. And Donald Illich reading from his book Chance Bodies from The Word Works. All right, Dan, how did it go? Uh, just great. <laughs> that was... One, so fast. <laughs> and two... It was way too fast. It was way too fast. And two, it was really hard to write with people like reading in your ear. You yeah, know? yeah. It was hard to like really block difficult. the words out <laughs> 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 while writing words. And Courtney and I have always done this when we used to pre-tape the show. And so we could take an extra couple minutes to yeah. you know, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> that must have He's been like, nice. Dan, uh, yeah, yeah uh-huh. be great. Wonderful. Now I have to read this to the world. <laughs> I will go first. I just want to okay. say that uh, just to you know warm it up for you, make you feel less bad because this did not come out. As <laughs> it was in my mind, but I will say what I was inspired by, which was um, basically toddlers just babble all the time in the background. Uh-huh. And uh, there was one evening where she was saying "dada, dada, dada" over and over, and um, it occurred to me like, what if she wasn't saying it randomly? 
And so I'll say, I'll say more uh-huh. about okay. that after I read this, because I didn't get as far as I would have <laughs> hoped to have gotten. It's just a paragraph. It's just a paragraph, exactly. Um, and I used it, because it's in the third person, I just used Tara's name, because I didn't want to have to think of a new <laughs> Sorry. name. <laughs> Sorry, Tara. Um, Tara cut sweet potatoes in the kitchen while her toddler played at her toy kitchen in the other room. As the knife parsed the orange flesh of the potatoes layer by layer, Jojo babbled to herself, banging tiny pots and stirring imaginary stews. Dada, Dada, Jojo called to her mother. Dada is at work, baby girl, Tara said absently, placing the potato slices in the clear bowl. The overgrown weed in the backyard... (laughs) Wait, the overgrown weed... uh, poking over the dark kitchen window, kept catching her eye and startling her. Her husband didn't like how she always kept the blinds open, even at night. He didn't like that any passerby could look right in, but she liked the feeling of open- openness it gave. It's mm. Yeah, that's at least a paragraph. Come on. Yeah, that's a paragraph, <laughs> but it's like not the most suspenseful paragraph, and I was going to write a little, like, I was going to write how the toddler kept saying, dada, dada. And then finally, this, and this actually happened to me. Uh-oh. She peeks around the corner and is like, baby girl, daddy's not here. He's at work. And then she like points at her and says, mama. And then turns around and points at the big empty window and goes, dead, dead. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually happened to me. And I was like, what are you pointing at? I'm closing the blinds. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, it was terrifying. Yeah, that is pretty creepy. But I don't I mean, know if I conveyed all like, that in the one. <laughs> well, it was heading there. You know. It was heading there. It was getting there. Yeah, the, there's uh, definitely, you know, suspenseful, creepy children. In, well, in children, like, like, James refuses to, to tell me all the, like, creepy things that comes to, into his head because oh, kids no. can be really creepy the way they yeah. just stare at nothing. They'll look right past your face and point, <laughs> and you'll, like, look behind you and be like, what's back there? Nothing's wow. back there. And they'll talk to imaginary things. It's a whole thing. Huh. So if you believe in ghosts, it's, like, really, yeah. it's like landmines. It's like walking through, walking through landmines. Yeah, you just live out with in suspense toddler. all yeah, the time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Well, mine, I, uh, mine's like quite a bit shorter, I think, even. <laughs> I really was trying to just do a couple of sentences. No, it's probably going to be better um, for that reason. I was just trying to think of a suspenseful situation moment. Yeah. at the moment. Um, Great. Okay. The man stands in the kitchen, waiting for the kettle to boil, while his wife held the test in her hands, waiting for the positive or negative. Outside, a peal of lightning, the thunder still far off. He worked through his response in his mind, through both options, trying to fix his face into a positive look, no matter the result. This time, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not? Ooh. (laughs) No, I like how you use the planting of, like, this the test results and then you're like talk about the lightning yeah you know that was like a very (laughs) micro version of like making us wait to hear more about this thing we're curious about at one point the my short paragraph was going to go in a radically different (laughs) direction where i was just going to keep piling on different suspenseful sentences oh yeah i love it was gonna be an airplane that was maybe gonna crash and then oh i like it it seemed like too much so i pulled back yeah, so you like you in four minutes. You're like, I'm gonna go this way. No, I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna go this. Oh, the time's up. Just try to see how many different kind of suspenseful ideas I could pile into one. <laughs> and the suspense is in not knowing where you're going, <laughs> or even what you're reading. 
or why you're here. <laughs> All good questions. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're here uh, and that you came to join us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having out. me. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's our show. Uh, join us right here uh, on Full Service Radio in two weeks' time or anytime on your favorite podcasting app. And to find out more about us or to submit to read at our next event, you can visit us at theinnerlooplit.com. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz, and our theme music is by Andrew Logan. Thanks again to Tara Leskowski for joining us on the show and to Dan Knowlton for filling in for Courtney as our guest host. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was so good having you. You're the best. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, if all our listeners had as much fun as Dan and I did, please take the time to leave us a review. Dan is going to go straight to iTunes. Yeah, I'm going to write my sixth review. Yeah. Because there's those five other ones. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you can do it in four minutes' time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But don't forget to subscribe. Definitely subscribe. Definitely subscribe. Do it. So you never miss an episode. (laughs) Happy writing. Happy writing. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.